The world is changing. Markets are failing. Governments are doing no explaining. The pesos at 17 to the dollar with federal oversight. The rubles in the gutter. The Kazakh Tenge lost 30% overnight. Stock markets in China, Oz and the UK are crashing. People selling shares like they're going out of fashion. The question is, where will it end? Nobody wants to save their currency, but nobody wants to spend. Fortunately, there's still some hope in this world, people exploring all of its twists and turns. New travellers escape in their box. We interviewed some the other day (laughs) for the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. So we interviewed a couple of Aaron's friends, Nikki and Rav, about their travels through Latin America. We talk about cultural awareness and how even in a multicultural society such as Australia, people can still be very ignorant of what's going on around the world. And in the second half, we got into talking about language and how it can affect the way you think. So... Head on over to Facebook, you press like on Facebook, hover over the like button, you press the get notifications button, and that's going to mean you get jammed into your face, force-fed, and your Facebook feed with all those new juicy tidbits that we're releasing. Head on over to YouTube, you can press like or dislike on YouTube, press subscribe. Head on over to theparadiseparadox.com, you can look through all of our old content, we got about 50-something episodes up there, you can have a look through those. Have a lot of fun, enjoy it, you know, have a look at the links that we've got on there. Uh, And you can head on over to iTunes, press subscribe on iTunes, leave us some feedback on iTunes there, give us a review, give us a a big five stars, give us five, and you can jump on over to Pocket Casts if you're using Android or Podcast Addict, that's a free alternative. And uh, remember... Remember to, to be good. Remember to <laughs> remember to open your heart to all the miracles that are in the world. Uh, but beyond that, I just I just remembered there's an important study that came out the other day, a scientific study. This is important news. This is actually, you know, they got a lot of Nobel Prize laureates in on this. And this is actually possibly the most important study scientific study that's ever happened in the history of the world. Like, you think of Galileo, Copernicus, Einstein, Feynman. Fuck those guys. They they don't know shit. This is changing everything. Because what they've actually discovered is that your penis size will grow by a full inch every dollar that you donate to The Paradise Paradox. So head on over to theparadiseparadox.com, donate.theparadiseparadox.com. You can give us a dollar there, give us some bitcoins, some altcoins, um, give us a tip by PayPal. We really do appreciate it when you give us a tip like that because it, it does show to us that what we're doing is making people happy, opening your mind, exposing you to new ideas or just entertaining you. Uh, so we, we really do appreciate that. Um, that's something that's that's important to us. And uh, it does help us improve the production quality of the show, buy new equipment, new cameras and, and microphones, and uh, maybe even take, take a little trip so you can see different parts of Mexico come along with us on the journey. Uh, so we do appreciate that. Jump on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. Uh, remember, this is episode... 
55. So you can check out the show notes at theparadiseparadox.com slash 55. Theparadiseparadox.com slash 55. Thanks so much, guys. Let's get into it. What the hell is pulque risa? Well, it's, a, it's obviously a pun between uh, pulqueria and, and risa. So it's like saying it's the, the pulqueria that, that makes you laugh. I hope so. <laughs> because you, you've been to the, like you've been to the, the museum of... Um, Modern art? No. Okay. There's another one. No, we'll go back in history to the... Um, anthropology. Anthropology. Anthropological Museum. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is good shit. I'm in trouble. You don't recognize that, right? You guys already make fun of me that I uh, forgot English a week ago. And now, now I'm drinking pulque, so I don't have a chance. But it's, it's cool. We'll get through it. Pulque Risa. No, the, this museum has got the, the Aztecs, their artwork, and they mm. show the smile literally going from ear to ear. The, is this the one in Mexico City? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, one. so you know, this is like, this is this pulque that we're drinking, that we that we went on an adventure all across Guadalajara to find on a Sunday night, ten o'clock, <laughs> um, and we, we found we found it and bought four liters. That's pretty much all they had in the fridge. Um, I've been I've, I've now got it sitting above my sink, trying to uh, open air ferment so it gets stronger, so we can really go on this. They did have five, but we um, taste tested a bit as well, so um, I don't think they had much left after that. <laughs> <laughs> we had better make sure the quality was good. Um, yeah, so it's fermenting over there. We got they, they threw in, they threw these in, these little uh, yeah, they're ceramic. the clay pots to to drink it from because everything tastes better when you when you take it from clay. That's the yeah, that's the rule of thumb. And the guy, we asked the guy, so when do you close? And he was like, we never close. <laughs> but then he, then he revealed, actually, they, they're open from 11 a.m. till 11 p.m. So <laughs> and he was like, no, it's not, it's not 7-Eleven. <laughs> yeah. It's 11-11. Yeah. <laughs> funny, funny dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, Rav, Nikki, I, I invited you guys along because – you guys are traveling, and I thought, you know, being – well, I, I know, Rav, you weren't too keen to travel too much. I know you're pretty busy in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And and I thought, um, now that you are traveling, you're like, this is the best shit we've ever done. Mate, totally, yeah, honestly. She's opened up my eyes to uh, the whole world of adventure. Yeah. Feel free to take my opinions. You want to just hold this thing up yours? Cool, cool. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't know. Start by saying, like, you know, where, where have you been? Uh, what's what's been like some of the, the best <clears throat> places that um, that you've been to so far? And yeah. I mean, I mean, we, you, you've already told me like several times, like you, you know, different. We'll start with countries, and then okay. then we can look. Focus. I'm pretty happy with uh, knowing exactly where I've been because um, I didn't organize anything. Um, <laughs> all I did was basically um, go to work, come back, do um, the maintenance and bookings, and all the things that I do for my own business, and. Uh, Nick has been working on this holiday for about six months. 
she doesn't book anything until I get home, and it's basically, yep, book it. That's about all I've actually had input put in. Um, <laughs> so wherever I have been, uh, I've got no idea where I am or what I do, or I can't even speak the language. That's a good so one. So um, <laughs> When you don't know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we started off... Um, well, we started off in Sydney, uh, headed over to um, New Zealand as a quick stopover to then get over to uh, Chile. Um, Where Diego. we paid a reciprocal fee only for Australians and Mexicans. We, <laughs> 30 US dollars for Mexicans and $117 US dollars for Australians. That was a pleasant surprise. Absolutely ridiculous. For anybody who doesn't know what a reciprocal fee is, it's the fee that the stupid Australian government charges Chileans or any other country. Most other countries. Oh, some other countries. Other countries when they come over. So basically to give the other countries go, shit, well, we'll charge you the same shit. Yeah, so we were welcomed with a $117 per person reciprocal fee. Did you guys know? Did you guys know about that? Nothing on the internet. No, um, I checked find. Visa Link, and yeah. Visa Link told me about Argentina, and told me the visa about Brazil, but did not tell me about Chile. Okay, it's the first time I ever heard of it, so, and, and I, I love traveling. So, yeah, I, I mean, first thing we did was we, uh, first port of call into our first. Uh, you know, we've got a two month holiday uh, planned, and we um, we turn up at the first port. Um, of our adventure, and we get slapped with a foot together, 200 and, uh, what's it, $34 US? US, um, which at the moment is a lot of money. It's essentially... Um, like $300. <laughs> yeah, $234 is essentially uh, like $1,000 for Australians at the moment because the market's a bit shit for Australia. I mean, our, our exchange rate's pretty crappy. Um, one-to-one would have been fantastic for US to Aussie dollar, but uh, obviously that's not happening at the moment. Um, I just so, wish we had better political... Um, into uh, better international relations like New Zealand <laughs> that think, you know, it's okay to let other people in the country without a fee. Welcoming, right? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how they, how they work <laughs> that or, or, you know, how much the government's got control of organizing fees and, and imposing that. But I mean, it's pretty slack. That is, I mean, the fact that they don't, they didn't tell us in Australia and oh. Australians love traveling. And I, I heard today that Mexico now has a, a similar fee that, um, Exit fee. An exit, an exit fee. fee or about 35 US dollars per person. Lucky I haven't left yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're not leaving. That's why Kurt hasn't left yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm I'm proud illegal immigrant here in Mexico. And yeah, I'm not ashamed of that. That's <laughs> I'm, I wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> it's, it's a very, I, I think it's like, it's, it is a prestigious role. <laughs> I, I, I wore it for a while. It took me so so long to organize my paperwork. <laughs> what, did, what did you say earlier about about it being a free man? Yeah, I, I said that Henry David Thoreau quote that that uh, uh, a good man shouldn't follow laws too closely, and and then I said that uh, an unjust law deserves to be broken. Um, so it's <laughs> well, if if nobody breaks unjust laws, then they just continue as laws. But you know, I I am a free man. I'm not a slave. I shouldn't have to ask permission before I do something, and you know, uh, uh, unless it's something intimate or personal. That's a, that's a different matter. But just you know, walking around. 
you know, moving through the the earth, moving around the earth. Through time. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I guess if we're traveling to oh. Aztec ruins like you've described uh, previously. But <laughs> but just move, moving throughout the world, I don't feel like I need to, I, I need to ask anybody's permission to do that. Yeah. It's, it's funny that that's the first thing you guys brought up, but we're living in a world where we are confined to the cage that we might call our country. And that's completely normal. We can't just wander around the world like, you know, the great adventurers of the old times. And yeah. that, that does my head in. Yeah. And it's like having a passport is reasonably, or it's a it's relatively recent phenomenon. Uh, like up to World War Two, I think no, nobody really needed a passport to travel. You just walked into a country and you know away you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now now you have to ask permission from your own government to travel, and yeah, it's, it's damn nonsense. that that is that is recent. So it's yeah. really only in, within the last you know handful of generations. Yeah, that, that yeah. that's come in like sixty years. Yeah, yeah and, and now they then act like it's such a an honor to have this little book that keeps track of where you've been running around. Mm. Anyway, so so where else did you visit? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, started off in Santiago. Is cool. that right? Yeah. Um, so spent a couple of days there. Fantastic. Um, we thought look, we organized to have two days there. We thought there's nothing to do, but you know what? Santiago's got a lot to offer, guys. Um, Amazing, lots of museums, lots of stuff walking, food is, yeah, but <laughs> average <laughs> <laughs> only because of our palace, a bit different to what we, you know, what we expected. But, uh, look, you know, if you're looking at the right places, you know, you, you find whatever you want to make of that adventure, right? So, we had a great time there for the, for the two days. Um, left from there to, uh, well, you didn't Sand. tell about Cop America. We landed after oh, 25 yeah, right. years or so. They were. Um, so Cop America was just happening uh, and, and it was between Chile uh, and uh, Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. And um, on that day that we landed on the 4th of July was the day that they actually had the final in uh, Santiago. Luckily enough, uh, you know, Chile won uh, through, through perennial shootout and um, the bloody won. It's fantastic. So the first day that we landed, they won Cop America. Yeah. Um, Plaza de Constitution was full of thousands of people. The players were there. There was firecrackers. There was tear gas. There was <laughs> big trucks. Lots of police. And new travelers. Lots of flags. Thought, yeah, new travelers. We thought, oh, look, you know, we better not go out. Chicken my- kebabs on the trolleys. <laughs> <laughs> usual, usual thing that you find Sounds in Australia as well. No. Um, all sanitary, uh, well, sanitary, what's it called? Sanitized and everything. Fantastic to eat for all travelers, guys. So if you guys want to eat some street food, fantastic. Make sure you guys have a Wait, good what, toilet the next morning. What were they? Uh, just street food. Okay. <laughs> so make sure you've got a good toilet the next morning, but that's all right. Um, it's always a risk. Like, you can bite you with the best know. food, right? No, you mean you have to. If you're traveling, you have to do it. And exactly. So we, we turned up, we went out, we thought, look, now we might get murdered or kidnapped or something like that because it's people, first day out, first night. We, we ventured out. Um, got lost. Got lost. We were only about a block away from the, <clears throat> from the what's that place called? Plaza de Constitution. That place. And um, <laughs> we were actually a block away. We walked around two blocks left, four yeah. blocks right, and then all the way around in a big loop, and we ended up at that Constitution place. So you, you made the party. You just rocked up. <laughs> For a big tour. Why, why would you think you'd be getting... Kidnapped or murdered. Oh, it's a new place, new adventure. Two months into, well, first day into you the You know what trip. Australians think about Latin America? First day. 
you know. But if we live under not a rock. Safe. We live in a village. You think yeah. <laughs> anything that... apart from Hawaii is not safe? <laughs> you, you, you mean like a holiday resort? Yeah. Otherwise, you, you're you're in danger zone. Yeah, exactly. If it's not sanitized, it's not uh, you know, it's got hasn't got security guards, and it doesn't look like a the house next door that you know that you can just go down the street from and it's not all you know like first world sort of quality everything you think as though you're going to just get murdered raped and kidnapped and killed somewhere right so that's what we thought because we don't know anything better we went out there mate the best night of our you know of our first first night it was the best night that we've had on the whole trip. It was the first night, guys. But I, 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 think, I think what you're trying to say is it, was, it blew your expectations. Definitely. People were fantastic. Um, we walked around. There's rubbish everywhere. People drinking. Everybody yeah. having a great time. And it was photos. safe. Yes. Well, we, 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 you we, felt good. Yeah, we've still got all our limbs, I think. Um, nothing was cut off. Well, Check it. Scars. Um, <laughs> so it's all good. Um, and then the next day, it rained in uh, Santiago after 15 months. So two big events in the first two days. And we met a random bunch of uh, Aussies down there as well. Um, oh, and they, uh, they're rich ones. They took us out for a fancy lunch and fancy. paid for our drinks. And <laughs> Great night. We ended up back home, I think, what, pretty late, right? Yeah. I can't remember. So, um, obviously, it was a great night then. Um, yeah, fantastic in Santiago. We went from there to... Um, San Pedro. San Pedro. <laughs> what, what did you guys find at San Pedro? Because I, I hear that term thrown around, and I always think of something else. <laughs> San Pedro. Isn't that a beer or something? Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a hallucinogenic cactus. That's yeah, what that's what Aaron's yeah, referring to. That's there I, too, it, it's my new watch. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I can't remember what we saw there. We yeah, but, saw but, the Atacama Desert, Atacama. Valley de Luna, Valley Moreto, uh, the geysers or the geysers. Okay, so I'll go back on these ones. So the, the Valley de Luna was a fantastic tour. We had to take tours. They had the option of um, going out on a bike trip, um, which is about, I think, six k's into the desert. And we thought, look, oh, we can do it. But I've seen Nikki ride up and down the local streets of our place and up just up a hill and coming back down again. It's quite stressful, right? Like you know, a couple of degrees up and okay. pretty bad. It's going to take like two, oh, two years to we finish this. They're going to think we've been traveling for like two years. <laughs> it's, our, it's our fourth day, guys. Two months to go. <laughs> this is Rav. This is why we don't ask Rav to talk. <laughs> He'll tell you every tree he saw on his path. <laughs> uh, okay, no, no, okay, this is coming from a guy that, that didn't that didn't really want to travel too much. So, you know, sure. I, I love to see that. Because I, I knew the Rav not traveling. And now I'm seeing mid-travels. And, and you're like, why, why didn't I want to do this? Like, what, sure. why was I holding back? And, and now you feel like you, you've... You've seen the world, like you know. You, you're now an adventurer. You got that. You got that yeah. bug, or you've been you've been bitten. Yeah, it's and- a statement of like you know when I was a bit younger, which I I'm still young. Um, you know, you work into well. I was basically <laughs> living to work. I was actually just you now doing a nine to five, doing all the other usual crap that you do when uh, when you're younger, um, yeah. and thinking you need to make it in the world of corporate life and all that kind of jazz. Now I've seen this light off. You know, look, life can be an adventure and a, having a great time. You can still work, make good money to, uh, to sustain your lifestyle and then that way you can take the money that you make on on your adventures and and spend it the way you want it to actually see the world 
not just go down to the well, go down to the pub and have a few drinks. That's great because you'll the see. Prob- the problem the is that an average Australian holiday is going up the coast or down the coast, and occasional going overseas includes going to Hawaii or Fiji, <laughs> and that, my friend, is called Australian traveling. <laughs> well, yeah, Bali's so, good. Like oh, people, Bali as well. Yeah, Bali or people go to like Phuket or Kang. Kang- What's that place called in Thailand? I forget, Kampongyong or something like that. And they just like go to these full moon parties and it's just full of uh, all the the world's yobos. Or, <laughs> which, is, which is all good if that's what you want. But, yeah. But, um, I mean, you can, do, you can do that, tick that off and then go for something a little more culturally enriching. Yeah, well, if, you, if you're going to run around like a, a, a dickhead, then probably just stay to those places and <laughs> leave the rest of the world to, to us. Uh, yeah, to us. <laughs> I mean, it's been a real eye-opener. Honestly, I've actually grown a lot. And, and me and Nick have just grown a lot whenever, since we've been doing this trip um, together as well as individuals and, and seeing how the world is and, and how much we've actually been living under a rock, really. Um, yeah, especially knowing that we didn't we didn't realize how much Spanish we needed to know. <laughs> and so it's definitely world. been an awesome learning experience thinking about every word you had to say or every question you had to ask. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still can't speak Espanol. But I love sending him into shops by himself to see, <laughs> to see how, if he can hold his own or not. Dude. Watch him from afar and then when he, when he starts to sweat, he points over and waves to you. <laughs> it's like a game of charades, right? <laughs> you see me making all these signs and yeah, he gets there. Um, but yeah, honestly, it is worth traveling the world. Do it now. Don't do it later on when you think you can do it because if you don't do it now, um, when you have the opportunity, it may be too late. And, and look, I was thinking, look, you know, we'll, we'll travel a lot once we have kids and uh, when they get older and we can take them on trips. There's parts of the world where you probably don't want to have kids young um, unless you're, they're 18 or 19 or 16 or able to um, you know, run away sort of thing or be taken away. It's probably the best thing to do it when you can. And if you have the opportunity now, even if you have young kids, don't, don't, don't take them out to the outback of, um, you know, Africa or something where they can, you know, get shot by bloody some sort of people or... Or eaten, or eaten by a dingo. <laughs> no, that's up in, uh, isn't that in, in Tasmania? <laughs> Tasmanian... Northern Territory. Northern Territory. <laughs> um, look, do it whenever you can. <laughs> it is really, really fantastic. No, no, I, I, think, I think this is perfect. This is, this is exactly what we should be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> We've only gone into the fourth day of our trip, but that's all good. We should really make people aware that I, I did not want to travel much, honestly. I, I thought, look, you know, we could do it later on. Let's just get our life goals done, like, you know, buy a house, have kids, get a little puppy, don't grow into a big dog in, like, six months, but it doesn't matter, um, and all these other little things. Um, yeah. And I had this life plan, but this is just putting a totally new perspective on life and that, you know, we just live under a rock. We should actually adventure a lot more and figure out what we should, what the whole world is all about. Because if you just think that, you know, we've got this great life in this little town that you go up and down the coast of, um, and you think that's what all life is all about and that's what all people know, um, you're not really a holistic person. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's good to drop in and, and see other people, how they live and the different foods they eat. And, they you know, sometimes they're eating things you wouldn't even consider is food, but that's what there is. <laughs> and the way they, pre- the way they prepare it. Uh, have, have you guys tried the grasshoppers? No, we haven't uh, done that. We, we we had the option of having um, what are those things? Llamas. Um, 
<laughs> which I didn't, and guinea pigs, which I was really tempted to do, but then I thought, look, no, it's a rodent. Pets. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've I've seen videos of them eating, and they like put them on a rotisserie over a barbecue. Uh, it looks kind of tasty, but it lo- also looks like there's there's approximately zero meat on those things. <laughs> and <they do laughs> so it, and they do it whole. They'll maybe take the guts out. They're fried or on a rotisserie, and the legs and legs and arms and all that are out. They got a little apple or whatever in the mouth, or maybe a little cherry. I'm sorry, or I don't want to get some strange looks- rabies or something. <laughs> things that I kill in my house, I'm not going to eat just because I'm in another country. <laughs> but the llama looks tasty. Still, still, yeah, llama you can try, but rodent, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have had jellyfish. That's probably the most strangest thing I've had. But wow, jellyfish! jellyfish. How was it prepared? It was. It was. Um, I think it was steamed. Okay. With a bit of soy sauce. Okay. Where? Uh, in in South America or? No, it was at a Vietnamese wedding in Australia. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I'm not not adventurous completely, but <laughs> just just things that don't carry diseases or less likely to carry diseases. Well, if they're, if you're covered in like the perfect amount of chili sauce and lemon here in Mexico, we believe as long as you follow it with tequila, <laughs> yeah. you're pretty much safe. Safe. <laughs> so fourth day, um, San Pedro, Valle de Luna, fantastic. The views were amazing. You know, we think that this rock in the middle of Australia is fantastic. It looks, looks honestly great. Which I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it on TV. Same <laughs> shit. I mean, I know. Sorry. Um, that sounds very interesting, and it really is for the future. Um, but this place where we went to, um, Valle de Luna, was fantastic. We went to like three or four different places, and every single spot was amazing. Honestly, it was just an eye opener for me. And there's also salt there. I licked it. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> And then we went to a very expensive Laguna, Laguna Sehar. Laguna Sehar is like another version of... Um, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. Um, and it was very freezing, but we went in there anyway because... Well, we paid like 70 bucks just to get in per person, right, into this little Laguna. But, but you know what? Well worth it because up to your waist or just a bit above your waist and your belly button and whatnot, it was quite cold, like pretty much freezing. It was like minus five in the daytime and then, no, sorry, overnight time. Daytime was probably about the two, three degree mark. Water is freezing, but below your belly button, which is a good thing, started warming up because everything below that is quite uh, critical. Um, <laughs> and it, it was quite warm, like by the time you reach your toes, if you're vertically, um, yeah, vertically, um, <laughs> that way. The pool is working. <laughs> the, from belly button downwards, it's actually quite warm. Um, and you can actually stay, stay vertically and um, you'll be floating. Like if you just keep your arms out, you'll be just basically floating and... Don't, don't even actually have to um, no, do these ones. The... I have to say the people that you meet while traveling is the most interesting. They're, everyone's always ready to help you through, you know, you can ask someone, you know, as, as long as you can just hear someone talk a word of English, you just cling on to them <laughs> and they're mm. ready to help you. But also I learned that Australia is so far, not just physically, but, but um, intellectually. Like, I met, you know, I had no idea that so many people um, knew about India and its religion and, you know, mantras and movies. And whereas back home, if you say you're Indian, the first thing they ask you is, do you like cricket and do you eat butter chicken? 
and that's a country that has so many Indians living in it, yet they have no idea. But there I meet like Argentinians and Chileans that are chanting mantras and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> how do you know these things? And like world knowledge, like it's just it's, it's, so poor. <laughs> it's an eye-opener to see how connected the world is away from Australia. <laughs> and how culturally aware people are. Yeah, I didn't even know where to start with that point because <laughs> I feel like I tell people and they don't believe me. Or they, or they think, you know, you're into weird stuff. So, you know, of course, no one's going to talk to you about what you want to talk about. But I, I realized just being here in Mexico for the, the short period I've been here, it seems like there is a generally, there's more of an interest in world movies where, I mean, just comparing world movies to uh, Australia seems to be focused on Hollywood. So uh, that that itself is a big part of like cultural education and what people talk about at work by the water cooler is what gets filtered through all the all the minds of people it's it's a little scary to think that we're we're being caged by our own apparent likes and our interests which usually is but a chicken and cricket <laughs> oh. Nothing wrong with one more person that. asked me about butter chicken. In my entire trip, it's nobody right. asked delicious. me about yeah, about is, butter chicken is, is in <laughs> in India. Do you eat butter chicken? And do you know what person asked me about cricket and butter chicken? Which was nice <laughs> to know that there's way more to India that the world knows. Yeah. Than food. Well, not even food. Butter chicken. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess it's... And occasionally, like, do you talk like mm. this? Because that's all we see. But you do. You do. Australian slang. I'm trying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was... Yeah, it's definitely an eye-opener mm. that we live under a rock. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it, like what Aaron was saying about the movies. I guess, I mean, in, in Australia... If you're going to watch movies in your own language, then you're going to probably going to watch Hollywood movies. Australia doesn't have much of a movie industry, nor does you know the UK or South Africa or whatever. Um, and, and in Mexico, if you're going to watch movies, there isn't really much of a movie industry these days. You, I mean, you can watch telenovelas, uh, but then if you're going to watch movies. Then you're pretty much going to watch a foreign movie, and that. So I guess that that plays into it. Yeah, well, most of most of the movies that um, that the Mexicans watch, like the big ones, we in Mexico they get fed a lot of a lot of U.S. Uh, production, so everything's in English. So for a Mexican to watch an English movie, or you know, an Indian movie, or a Russian movie, French movie, it's the same thing. They're they're reading subtitles at the end of the day, or they're watching something that's being dubbed. So international movies are, are very popular. It's funny that though. How come Mexico is so close to obviously the, you know, the, the United States, um, and they don't have as much? The uh, US does not have as much of a hold on the the movie industry as compared to Australia. That's at the you know, it's just on the other Maybe side of the planet. Maybe to do with the intellectuality of the people here. <laughs> they can see past it. <laughs> Whereas Australia, the other end, is still being under a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let, let's see. Um, I think I think that's probably because a lot of the movies that get pushed down from from the US go the movies first, and just with the the economic level of Mexico, it's easier to watch television movies. 
And I, I'm, I don't really watch too much television, but I know they, they do, they've got a good range of movies and, and older movies as well. Mm. So I, uh, let's see. I think maybe it's also the attitude. Mm. Like, I mean, we have such a huge, in Australia, you think it's so multicultural that you would be watching lots of different, you know, movies from all around the world. Mm. But the basic average Australian um, uh, concept is why do anything that's hard? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to work harder than, you know, like, why do I need to watch another language? Like, why would I do that? You know, why would I eat something else? Why would I watch something else? You know? Well, yeah. It's but they, they used to, you know, the, the special broadcasting services, the SBS, used to actually play foreign films, like, yeah. all the time. But now it doesn't. No, because there's now no demand for it. Like people South don't, Park or whatever. People, and, yeah. <laughs> People I mean, aren't interested in broadening. I don't need to learn another language. I don't need to see another language. I mean, another interesting thing is in Australia, you've got a lot of, yeah, it's a multi, very multicultural uh, con- uh, country. Um, a lot of the international movies that uh, relate to a particular sort of, uh, well, you know, say, you know, you, you're Egyptian or you're uh, Indian or you're you know, Mexican or, or whatever, right? Um, a lot of those movies that come out don't go out into the cinemas because there's potentially not a big demand for it. Um, for the people that actually, you know, they're usually the working class who actually just like to work, 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 work. Um, obviously, you know, they're not just working class. They've got potentially a lot of money, not as much money or whatnot sort of thing. The economical sort of state of their families are irrelevant to this conversation. But yeah. it's to do with the, the demand for it. And where they get the, the access to those movies would be probably in a local store where they get the food from. And that'll be usually in a community area, which is a high, a high concentration of that uh, that population would be of that ethnicity or whatever that word is um, and they'll get those movies from there they'll usually pirate it unofficially um, and they'll get those movies and they'll watch it in their own homes so to get the financial reward at the cinemas there's not as much of a demand there's probably like you know there's, there's so many people out there that there's not probably enough airplay on the uh, the cinemas yeah. um, to have say 10 different um, movies of all 10 different uh, countries of, back, of, of language um, to play at the cinemas, whereas it's easy just to go, yep, okay, US uh, or English-speaking uh, um, movies are easy to just play on the cinemas, and everything else just goes in the back, uh, like another, the second layer of uh, the movie scene. So it's potentially just that economical sort of uh, decision for the cinema. I think maybe it's more, I think Melbourne is probably the best, because they have international film festival they have international i think that even the persian film festival they have the bollywood film festival but not in sydney um and probably on the and the rest of the states none of that seems to happen press like on youtube press like on facebook and subscribe on youtube itunes and pocket casts follow us on twitter at battle az and trouble bubble and show your support and You're telling us a little bit about culture shock. What, can you tell us about the the times you experienced culture shock? Well, the culture shock's been the biggest uh, from day one because um, I was basically just like a fish out of water, um, not aware that uh, <clears throat> half the world speaks Spanish. Because <laughs> <And laughs> we thought, you know, English-speaking background, mate, we'll be fine everywhere in the world. Um, but obviously that's not the case because um, the rest of the world thinks otherwise. Um, they actually can speak more than just one language, um, <laughs> which is a surprise to me. Um, 
So yeah, it's been a culture shock from day one. We've um, yeah, we've travelled. Nikki's actually started to learn the Spanish from the day that she arrived. Um, usually, people start learning about two, three years beforehand, at least. Um, <laughs> a bit late. Better late than never, right? <laughs> um, and it's funny, right? Like if I need to do anything, um, I go to my translator. Um, and she's only had like a little bit of experience, very minimal, but she's Same doing a lot better than you, me. Ravi. Same experience as you, Ravi. Same experience as you. Haven't travelled <laughs> any more than you have. <laughs> no, but she really, really tries. Like you now, for example, like we were in, um, oh, we went into Bolivia, and we were going through the, um, like you know, we we're supposed to pick teams as to you know, there's a, a group of three cars, um, and you know, you've got to pick teams like four to uh, sorry, six, five to six people. Um, we had a group of three boys who were learning to speak English in their um, in the university. Yes, they're doing engineering and all that other stuff. Um, but they chose to, chose us because they wanted to learn English because they wanted to improve on the English. Um, and we didn't understand Spanish at all, well, if not that much, but uh, pretty much at all. So they wanted to basically translate for us and then speak to us in English so they can actually expand their horizon with the English. Uh, um, speaking background, um, and we've got no experience in Spanish at all. Um, so yeah, it was, that's the kind of people that you kind of meet in um, on your travels. People that want to learn. People. I think we have a very lazy attitude that, and which is again, which was us as well, that we can get by with English. And I love that most people that speak Spanish expect you to speak Spanish, and that's probably been the biggest driving force for me to learn. It's like. <laughs> I'll speak to you in Spanish. If you don't understand, I'll speak to you again, <laughs> again and again until you understand. But it's funny though, like, you know, even if you go to the smallest towns in, in these remote places, they will most likely speak, well, they'll definitely speak Spanish and they'll speak to you in Spanish because most people do know Spanish and it's a bit of a respect thing as well. Like, you know, they'll speak to you in Spanish thinking that you may or may not, most likely should be no, speaking Spanish. No, I think they Spanish. expect you to know Spanish and it's like, if you don't know Spanish, why don't you? Yeah, and it's that, like, but the other thing is, it's <laughs> You true. should know Spanish. Um, and and if, you spe- if, you, if you're traveling in a Spanish-speaking country, you should be speaking Espanol, right? But if you don't, they do have, um, that. some of them have that background of learning English as well, even if it's poquito or whatnot, but it's still something that's going to get them by. And that's surprising. In a small country town somewhere. What are you laughing at, Aaron? No, my, my, po- my, my, poquito uh, is like the first word. Yes. Everyone learns <laughs> Spanish. It's like, do you want some of that poquito? Do you speak Spanish? Poquito. Do you feel sick? Poquito. But you know what the funny part is that they don't say, you speak Spanish, uh, habla Spanish. No, poquito, poquito. It's like, you must speak a little. I mean, it cannot be that you don't speak at all. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> you don't speak any Spanish. You must speak a little. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, every, everybody's got a, you know, a bit of hola and uh, <laughs> donde está el baño. Yes. Of course, it's a useful phrase. Sombrero, taquitos, or something like that. You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's no, no, in there. Agua caliente, very important when you're traveling through Bolivia and Peru, but it's freezing cold you need to know agua caliente okay you mean like do you mean when you turn on the shower or do you mean like when you go to a hot spring like no no shower hot shower okay okay (laughs) baño privado agua caliente (laughs) is what you need when you're traveling in backpackers Uh, that's kind of classic classic traveling words but i think once you once you move to one of these countries you get used to 
cold water. So you, know, you, you learn to shower in cold water because sometimes you need a shower and it's like you know that even if there is hot water, it's going to be half an hour late. So you get used to it. Yeah. Um, something I want to bring up about, about Spanish is that most of the countries like, okay, population internationally, it's Spanish and English has got nearly the same the same uh, population of of language, but what's mm. interesting is that most of the countries that speak Spanish would have a a growing or a much younger population than uh, than English speaking countries. I mean, English speaking countries are predominantly uh, older countries um, with with uh, the average age being much higher. So, so because so, they're Catholic and they all breed like rabbits. <laughs> There's a lot of kids. <laughs> there are a lot of kids in Mexico, um, and I'm assuming there's um, there's like that, that goes for all Latin countries. You know, there's like the same sort of family values and ethics that that go along with. Like, I found out today for the first time that my mother-in-law, her class, like she's a high school teacher, and her her like topic is ethics and values. Mm. That's her class, and ironically. That just <laughs> that just blew my mind because well, firstly, um, is that even a topic? And, uh, it should be. If it isn't, it should be. Like, why don't they? Why don't they teach that and, and in Australian you, schools? That, that, yeah. And how do you get qualified to teach that? <laughs> Well, I don't know if they give you a test on your personal ethics to find out, you know, if you have a solid philosophical basing of your, of your moral perspective. I, do I, as I, I say, not as I do. <laughs> I, I hear that too much. <laughs> yeah, well, that's definitely not a solid moral grounding. But <laughs> we should definitely have this class in Australia, though, because if we don't, or we haven't, um, and... There's a lot of feral people out in Australia. Let, let's let's elaborate on that because um, you, you mean that they need to be more exposed to um, okay. earth, like life experience where they can reflect themselves a little bit more. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to put that in in words. Okay, so for say for example, like you know, the, the education system in Australia is purely based on grades. And if you're looking at, um, as you call it, first world countries as, as per se, um, which is almost irrelevant nowadays because first world really means, what does it really mean? I think first world means that you can have a toilet everywhere you need to go. And if you don't have a toilet, that means you're like third world. It's nothing to do with the economy growth. It's nothing to do with the amount of education, the amount of cultural awareness. It's about the ease of pooping around the world. Wait, are, you, are you talking paper. about a Western toilet or an Eastern toilet? It doesn't matter. A clean toilet with toilet paper. <laughs> okay. And the, the frequency oh, okay. of okay. availability of toilets and McDonald's classifies the first world That's just, that's extremely racist <laughs> because a lot of the world just doesn't use toilet paper. They have other methods. <laughs> We do have trees to pee on, <laughs> but I think it is. Well, it's wherever true. you go, hopefully you can find a tree to pee on. So, you know, we're all equal in that. Sense. If people actually counted the amount of money um, a, 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 a country has, or the amount of, uh, I mean, high levels of education, but not counting what kind of education. Mm. If if everybody can speak in that country and read, that means they've got education. 
I mean, the, the, the broadness of the education is very limited is as well in, in many of these countries that they call first world. I think that if you can have, if you purely, uh, look, okay, what my perspective on this is, if you're basing it on grades um, and everybody's educated, but the level of and broadness and the depth of education that you're getting is, uh, is, 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 is narrow, very limited, only, um, uh, you only prescribed a, 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 you prescribed a, you mean like you mean like the uh, the, the syllabus? The syllabus that's right. Yeah. So if you have a syllabus that basically is, pu- is purely based on um, getting grades, um, and the grades count towards how educated your country is or your your how smart you are, you're purely working on cramping in information that is not very broad, and you you're only studying uh, textbooks to get the grades that has been prescribed to you. Well, the, to the syllabus that, you've been, that, has been, that has been prescribed to you, not taking into account this other, maybe sort of, a, it's not superficial, but it's um, so, uh, broadening uh, topics, for example, ethics. Uh, what other ones that you, does your mother? Uh, um, well, well, values was the other, the other one. But I know in that, um, just from the conversations and what she drills me with, um, she talks a lot about uh, like relationships, and respect between, uh, you know, what what kind of what it, what it involves to to pass respect to other people in a relationship, and just because you're you're a man and you know you have women and you know wherever you wherever you fit in the relationship, it's got nothing to do with um, basically getting getting your way. Like you need everyone should be able to get their way um, to an to an extent, but you know they it's, it's almost like well in Australia we, we cover a lot of those topics in PE. Like um, you know, physical development, um, but also like with when you go like she's teaching teenagers, so you know a lot of changes, um, you know, with their body that they're trying to work out, and then how to interact with people like um, like that. But a good example I wanted to use was like um, Mexican street education. I don't know if you do it, Kurt, but I usually carry a napkin in my back pocket, or at least fold a toilet paper everywhere I go because you don't want to be caught without toilet paper. That's education. Like, you know, that's, how, that's how you need to carry yourself so that you can be respectable in society. You need to carry toilet paper with you at all times. Because even if you don't need it, it's good if someone's like, I need a napkin or something. I'm going to make a mess. Here's your toilet paper. But then the other extreme is we, we've commented on universities before and how universities operate. And, for example, business class, business topics, usually the the – head teacher, I, I don't know, who are, usually they're professors that are teaching business. They've never set up a business before. Mm. They, don't, they don't do business. They just teach business. And it's mm. got nothing to do with actually trading the value, creating the product, and selling it person to person. They've got no idea. So they're teaching topics that are so high, like they're so, so abstract, so abstract that they can't actually get what the business is. And the business is trading something from one person to another with uh, respectable, good quality product for the, for the value that should be transferred. Giving people what they want. Exactly. And, and, both, and both people come out as winners. And yeah. it, yeah. They, they, should, they should always be a win-win situation. Yeah, mutually, mutually beneficial interaction. Yeah, that's the idea. That's, that's, that's the, the idea. point. That's the, <laughs> that's the ideal <laughs> when you have a marketing. business. Then yeah. comes marketing, and then you realize that you want all these things that you didn't need. 
but you suddenly need them. <laughs> well, now, now we're talking about psychological manipulation. <laughs> yeah, but that comes a, a part of it too. Because say if you um, say if you you sell Coca Cola, and part of the Coca Cola isn't just the drink. It's not just the taste. It's it's everything. It's you know it's the can it comes in. It's the image that you project. Because um, the image that Coke has is very different to the image that Pepsi has, and maybe you, you know, maybe you don't really give a shit if you drink Coke or Pepsi, but you know it it aligns better with your identity, and and that's yeah. that is offering value. It's a kind of weird value which I, <laughs> I don't necessarily buy into, but some people do. Some people like having that identity gained from material objects. Well, that kind of stuff you can learn in university um, because, you know, obviously you learn about psychology and, and, and marketing and whatnot and how those images and all that, how, the, how people relate to and how they, you know, it's like Apple. Apple versus HP or whatever. Totally different aspects of the market. You have bought that. Did you buy it because of the, 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 the statistics, uh, that, that, uh, the, the features that go with a Mac? I, I bought the Mac because it was the lightest computer for um, I mean, it was, it was just super light. It's super. It's skinny. It's um, looks sexy. I mean, it's, it's sexy. It's got a big. Uh, <laughs> it's big. It, you know, I got the the Mac because um, my I had a I had an Alienware before. And, and, yeah. yeah, and and it, it was just chunky. So I didn't even look at in between computers. I was like, you know what? I've got a fat computer now. I want a skinny computer. And I went and got the lightest one that 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 was uh, available, and and I have um, and I was using an iPhone at the time, so okay. it's like I just wanted I just wanted shit to work, like I was getting sick of programs not aligning, so I was like you know what, Apple's been it's been good, so I'm gonna get a, a Mac. Why did you get an iPhone in the first place? Um, well. I had the Samsung first. I mean, I jump all over the shop. I, like, I try something and, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's on the other side of the fence. So I jump it and I check it out. And would I guess a better question would be, would I get another Mac? Yeah. And now that I've had a Mac, I would be, I'd be inclined to look back at getting a, like, you know, a traditional computer again. But most people that have Macs would not they're obsessed with it it's like and I think it's not just the computer it's almost like like I don't know I mean I'm, it's like I'm, a community you've got it, this it, thing that it's like I'm an, an, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm part of Apple I've got I this I that I'm shit I'm good I'm this or whatever I mean I'm, I'm an I'm, artist I, I, <laughs> whatever um, it's an image it's a uh, what are the other and marketing terminologies they use it's really good identity identity yeah. yeah you identify with this product because it's so clean so crisp so Crispy. Crispy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when you walk into a Mac store, it's all the same, you know. And what Mike, a, a friend of mine, a boss was saying is that with Apple, it's about the experience. Like you can go into an Apple store and touch everything, whereas you can't walk into all the stores and play around with it because they want you to have a feel of what it is rather than buying a product, you, the feeling that it creates. Like uh, my sister told me, I don't know, that when they designed Macs, they got someone that made bathtubs to design the computer <laughs> so that it feels like soft and curved in the edges. Mm. And I'm like, wow, I mean, who would have thought of hiring a guy, a plumber to design a computer? <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> I, I have to admit, 
now that I've got a Mac and I've still got my Alienware, like it's it's still a, a solid computer, but it's hard to go back. It's like, sexy, isn't it? I, it is I mean, nice. I've got I've got a little gap between the keys, and that that helps me type for some reason. And now going back to a computer, all my keys are kind of stuck together. It it it's weird now. It's about the feel. Same same. The gap between the spaces. Uh, same same. <laughs> okay. Well, my, my Alienware does not have a gap. Maybe <laughs> maybe a HP might be my next move. But you know when you feel the outside of a Mac, it's so smooth and sleek. It has about this when you see it's like uh, people lining outside for like hours when the new iPhone comes out. It's like you can buy it tomorrow. No, no, I need to get it today. And the features. The, up, the upgrading of the features isn't that big to actually have people just shouldn't theoretically have that many people lining up for you know around the block to buy the new iPhone or the new iPhone <laughs> whatever um, purely based on it's, it's to do with the weather it's been marketed it's the feel it's the it's, it's to do with the, how you feel as part of a group to say I've got the latest whatever it's to do with the marketing, right? It's identity mm. you statement. Have an, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have an ad, you see how the ads for, say, the new iPhone, it's all to do with... Um, how you feel and how you connect with your family and your friends yeah. and how you feel when you hear the music. I mean, it's a phone, for God's sake. <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything about talking. <laughs> and compare that. It just tells you how you connect with the world, <laughs> like with photos and, and an app for, you know, how your heart's beating. It's just yeah. like... I mean, Samsung is very similar. Like that's a typical sort of an. Uh, they've changed have. the advertising. They used to advertise the phone, but now they ad- they've changed the advertising. Because yeah, uh, Androids do the features. Um, Apple was all about the feel. Yeah, mm. that's a totally different way of marketing a product, and that's why I think that's that's just marketing has gotten that product to where it is at the moment. Because at the base of us humans, we all just bunch of feelings. <laughs> Well, it, it's it's cool. It was now now I'm thinking about the the last Samsung ad that I saw, and it wasn't even I didn't even know it was a an ad for a Samsung phone. Um, it started off with you know a group of a crew of mates around a table, and they're taking photos of each other, and they're passing this phone around, taking photos at different angles, and it, they didn't even tell you what phone it was until yeah. until the end. So mm-hmm. this, this concept of trying to capture the the experience. Is uh, I mean you know that, that adds on to the the emotions, but um, the whole I mean I'm I'm trying back to experiencing being. You need to get out and experience the world. You know what I mean. And these are the tools that that are going to help you do that. So um, when the thing is with I'm I'm trying to think the thing is with experience is to forget about what you knew before and dive into something totally new, something that that feels so natural. And something Nikki that you told me was like now. Your Spanish has gone naught to pretty good. Not to one. <laughs> but that's a big step. <laughs> it is. It is. It's the most important step. I'm, in, I'm impressed. See, like it's, it's, I've, been yeah. here, I've been here a year and I think if you hang around, you'll be speaking better than me <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what would the population be in Australia of people that can, that can actually speak another language apart from the native or, or the of what their parents speak. Like, Nikki would probably be like, you know, apart from um, Spanish-speaking background, people that have come over to Australia, mm. people that have actually learned Spanish, she'd probably know, like, maybe, what, 1% of the population yeah, I, that have actually tried to learn a different language. I mean, when you, I mean it, Massive. this is where I feel a bit disadvantaged when I meet Europeans. They're so close, and it's, like, so normal for them to just learn different languages and have the desire 
it's and they you know as Australians we go we don't need it but technically a German living in Germany doesn't need to know Spanish mm. it's just that the, the desire to want to know about the world like you know yes they're closer connected and they can visit it a lot easily helps but it's also that desire because they're so close to other cultures that they want to learn more and I think it's a desire I met a girl mm. on the trip and she was Austrian and she liked she learned Russian because she liked the way it was written. Russia is not that close to Europe. It's close, but compared to the way Europe is, it's not, you know, an hour's trip. Yeah. So, and, and she learned Turkish because she thought it was interesting. And those, you know, I mean, it, it, that just showed me that the desire to learn is mm. embedded in Europe. That desire to learn is not there. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's the same with America. They don't, and they're so close to, uh, sorry, Big part, USA. They don't. <laughs> can't believe I said that. Edit that. That, yeah. That's the that's the Australian part of me. Because every time I say to someone I'm going to America, they say, "Oh yeah, you're going to New York." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I re- I remember I said to somebody before before I ever left uh, before before I came to Latin America, I said I'm going for a trip to the Americas, yeah. and somebody said to me. I'm pretty sure there's only one America. I was like, nope. Did you punch me in the two. face? <laughs> Countum, you know, north, south. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing too because in in uh, in the Americas, uh, except for in the United States and maybe Canada, they consider America as one continent. And so you see these uh, posters, that, uh, like modified posters of Captain America, and they say Captain North America. <laughs> uh. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think that's that's quite a, a surprise for an empire because, mm, yeah. you know, from my beginner's classes of Chinese... Rome um, is the world. Even, even the, the word... Uh, I mean, even China, like in Chinese, or I know the, the, the Chinese word for China in Chinese is like... Center of the world, or, or like, you know, like and, and you look at Russia like mother country. You know what I mean? It's like all, all these these countries that had these empires, or they grow big enough, they do produce this culture where they think they are, you know, the kingpin of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that happens kind of when when a lot of uh, native cultures were discovered. They they they're like, well, so what do you call this country? And they're like, we call it earth or something like that because <laughs> you don't really know until until you step outside it but that's a, yeah that's the other side of it because now we do know there are actually things outside your own country and you probably should uh, have some cursory understanding of that <laughs> well jump, jumping back to to nikki spanish it is <laughs> It is easier to learn a third language than a second language. Yeah, mm. definitely. I think, yeah. Um, of course, learning, knowing English helps a lot because a lot of the, reading the alphabets is the first step. <laughs> but yeah. um, I would say that like, I have found similarities not just with English but with Hindi as well. Mm. Like the word orange is naranja. Naranja? Naranja. Naranja? Naranja. Naranja. But in Hindi... Orange, yep. a color is uh, is narangi. Oh, I, I thought that. Yep. I thought that was Hindi the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoops. Naranha, naranji. So the J, I'm getting used to not pronouncing the J. So it's interesting how you can be so far from a language, 
Mm. But like the alphabets are totally different. Yeah. You know, it's nothing to do with English, you think, but it's still, there's words that I can still connect. And of course, I think it's the way you have, if you know two sets of alphabets, that means you know two set of sounds mm. that are easier to pronounce. Your mm. brain can uh, compare words to two languages instead of one. Mm. So it makes it a lot easier to make connection. I think with every word that I've learned in Spanish, I've tried to make a connection. Yeah. Yep. Connection yep. to a to another word. Yeah. And I think obviously, if you know three languages, you can connect to three as, you know, as many words or and sounds yeah. and yeah um i think and of course that's what i talk about lateral pathways of your brain you know if you can um the more uh, the more connections you're making the more thinking you know you're connecting a word to a sound or if, another word y- your neurons are just joining and combining in, in different ways and it makes it easier to remember um mm-hmm. and i think like um before uh I mean, in Australia, like, if you know two languages, it's a big deal. But coming out here, I feel like, my God, two is, like, none. <laughs> it's like base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember. It, it goes back to what they call in linguistic circles Proto-Indo-European. And, the, and it was like when, they, when the British first went to India, they, they were like, um, Somebody started studying the, the the some of the Indian languages, and they were like, "Hang on, this the this actually lines up with Latin." There were like words for um, mother and father. There were like this. There's these similarities there, um, and yeah, it was so so strange because before that, nobody thought that there was any relation between Indian languages and and Latin languages or anything like that. But we do have more shared. Um, yeah, more shared roots than we realize. People forget that that like Latin is one of the oldest languages, and mm. Hindi that comes from Sanskrit is supposed to be the mother of languages. Mm. So it's one of the oldest languages, and most people don't know that. Mm. So if you think about the, one of the, the two most oldest languages, yep, um, branching out into different languages, it would have yep. to make sense that there's got to be connections in there. Yeah, yeah. All about the connections, <laughs> <laughs> because. You said two languages is base, and I, I think I think that's I don't know any scientific uh, I can't quote anything, but I'm sure that if you got two languages and you're connecting, like it's like you you double the word, the sound, the the way you move your your mouth and tongue regarding one item. Mm-hmm. It's like you know you that's like subconscious brain connections, and all of a sudden you've just gone you know you you've, you're doubling that. So it's like essentially you're you're changing the way your whole brain's wired, and then yep. you start adding more and more to that. So yep. like, you know, you you literally are becoming um, like more advanced. Yeah, a different a different person, a different brain. Let yeah. me ask you. Let me ask you something, Aaron. Which which language do you normally think in? Do you think in a language, or do you think um, using something else? Ooh. See, consciously, yeah. I know that I'm thinking more in Spanish, mm. especially in the last six months. Mm. Like I, I think, I think in Spanish, and I need to translate in English. Like mm. I'm translating my English back, but sometimes I'm just in this weird zone, yeah, where there's no there's no language. There's yep. like you yep. know, it would be easier for me to move my hand in the way I'm thinking. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I know that I'm not thinking in Spanish or English sometimes. Yes. And sometimes I just make sounds now. It's like, <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, Aaron, you're not talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can hear you, but I don't understand what you're saying. Are you like, you know, and, you, and then you help me explain what I'm, what I'm trying to talk about. Um, but no, lately it's been more, more Spanish. Is, is, that, is that kind of where you're, where you're at? Or, uh, or, or were you going for no, that, that I'm, weird I'm, zone? I'm more interested in the in-between where you're talking about no language. What, what about you, Nikki? What language do you think? Do you think in a language? Or not, or I don't know. Really? I know I feel in Hindi more. Every time I'm yep. upset or I'm angry, there's like there's way more words to describe in Hindi. Like ah, in Hindi, every okay, one okay. word has so many different words you can describe. Yep. So I think, and there's so many words and feelings that there's no words in English. Hmm. Mm, um, I okay, sometimes wonder, like, how come? How, what happens when, like, you know, you know, you have this feeling, but you can't because there's no word for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a that's a problem for a <laughs> lot of people. What What about you, Ravi? Do you think in words, or do you? Th- what? How do you think? Um, well, I mean, I the basic movements of like you know just scratching yourself and whatnot. That's just, <laughs> it happens naturally. Um, but if I actually have to think about an action or if I have to think about something I need to do, driving, which is sort of normal now, I do think a lot in English. Mm. Um, it's just because I, I do that and guys are a bit more simpler and less emotional and less thinking that way. So perhaps Nikki being a woman, she has a lot more emotion um, mm. before I get slapped here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she thinks a lot more about... There's certain emotions and there's so many dimensions of the emotion and all these other little things that, that women think about. Or not just being man and female sort of thing, but... Um, yeah, okay, man and female. You do think a lot more about emotions and how things drive you to, 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 to a, a particular decision and that's not even concrete anyways because that's just what women do. They don't have any concrete decisions until <laughs> the moment it actually happens. Where guys are... Um, well, for me, I think... With one emotion, or it helps me think in English because I've actually been speaking English in a lot, well, a lot more in the last I don't know, twenty, twenty something years, mm. and it's just become part of my second nature. I do speak in in Hindi at home, but it's a bit different Hindi to what Nikki speaks. Um, <clears throat> but that's more of a, a secondary thing now. Mm. So if it's already if it's already a secondary language for me, it's not what I think in in my head because I've got to think about what I want to say. Mm. And that also translates back into my head saying, well, I'd rather just speak in English in my head before I do something because it just makes it easier for me to actually think quicker mm-hmm. that way. And, and are there things as well that you can think in Hindi which you can't think in English? Uh, my vocabulary in Hindi is probably a bit limited, <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> okay, okay, because you don't spe- speak in it from day to day. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, because I have I have this idea that sometimes uh, people are limited by the the language that they have. If they can't express a thought, maybe they will just ignore it, and maybe it will just go by the wayside because they don't know in any way to get it out. Yeah, man, I think I'm, I think you're 100 percent on that. I think mm. the language comes secondary. Mm. It's like I think firstly there's, there's some kind there's some kind of emotion, and then because we we have to think the, the emotion comes like the emotions like the the heart like you know like the the soul trying to express mm. itself or you know our own spirit, and then we have this this language is like wrapped over the, our own existence 
and then the language yeah. manifests in, into words that we're, we're trained to, to express, to share what we're, what we're trying to feel. But when there's, when there's no words, it's like you look at children and mm. they, sometimes they're so excited, they, they jump up and down or, they, you know, or they're, they're so angry, they don't know what to do, <laughs> they twist their face and then they belt one of the other kids. It's like, you know, I don't have the words for this yet, but I'm going to show you how I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely yeah. feel I swear much better in Hindi. I don't get it out in English. It's just not the same. Well, you just have to invent words in English because there's not enough swear words. Uh, but I just, I just say it in Hindi. It's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> cool. It sounds a lot worse as well. sounds a lot worse. I think it's the sound. It Can you give us so a sample? <laughs> like, like, okay. I don't know. This is extracted material, then, isn't all it? All right, all right. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, it's yeah, like... uh, if you are sensitive to Hindi swearing, please turn down your volume. It's like, you know, I can say fuck, but it's not the same as saying jod. <laughs> it has so much jod. jod. It sounds like joder. Like, you know. In Spanish. <laughs> or like, you know, if I, I, I can never say sister fucker. Like, this doesn't sound right. <laughs> But in Hindi, okay. it's so normal to say "benjod," <laughs> "motherfucker," "motherjod." You know, it's got so much oomph in it. Like, there's a, a fucker for everything. <laughs> English is limited with fuckers. <laughs> and that is very hard because there is many. There are so many in English, <laughs> but you can't express it. <laughs> See, maybe, maybe that's what I lack in my life—that that expression. Mm. That's well, interesting. What do, what do we have in, in Spanish? You say "pinche puto, pinche puta de madre." I do enjoy saying "chinga" a lot. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't really, I don't really like like using the word "fuck," but "chinga" for me, well, ch- "chinga," I hate, I, I hate using it because it's the like. It is the the worst swear word, probably that I know, because uh, chingar literally means to rape. So if you say hijo de chingada, you mean son of a rape victim, <laughs> which is so much worse than son of a bitch. Yes, like exactly. it wasn't their fault. I mean, <laughs> and it if you know the it's I mean being a bitch is one thing, but being a rape victim, I mean, there's no you didn't have you know any control in that, and somehow the son is supposed to pay for it. But the intensity of what the if you do a direct translation, it may it sounds really bad. Mm. Well, it sounds really awkward and and not appropriate. But when you say it as an angry word in 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 Spanish, mm. it sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The message comes across like you know, you're a fucking asshole. Okay. Like, that doesn't and, sound that as aggressive. Here's as here's another thing. Else, like, like <laughs> chingada. See, de chingada. <laughs> doesn't it feel good? Yeah. <laughs> it's the way he could say like "son of a bitch," mm. right? But in Hindi. You know, son is like son is like beta, which is a nice thing. You know, son. You call your father calls. Ah. But there's also another word. It's called olad, which like bastard. Well, it's not bastard. It it, it is a proper word, like you know. Yeah. But it's like a strong derogatory word. Mm. And then if you say like you know, instead of saying like son of a dog or son of a bitch, mm. the dog in. Hindi is kutta. You say kutte ki olad. It's like it's not even a son. It's like this derogatory version of what a son is, and it's not even a bastard. It's like 
somewhere in the middle. <laughs> You're not my son. <laughs> it's, like, it's a derogatory word for a son, but not a bastard. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's different ways to express the same word, but you use that um, in the context. Mm. So, you know, it changes. Okay, so you were, what was it? Oh, 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 it. <laughs> oh, lad. Oh, lad. But when you scream it out, it's it feels really good. It's like you know something you want to scream on the microphone. It's not a good, good tone. <laughs> cool. Okay, uh, I've got an idea to throw at you guys. I'm thinking maybe we should go the other way around. Not what we feel and we're trying to express, but let's imagine that uh, we, we've we've talked about the concept of a morphic field, mm. which is like imagine this invisible. Uh, ball of of all knowledge trapped, like saying, let's say, in the atmosphere of the planet, and <laughs> and and we can okay. and we can tap into this, right? So I'm saying, where when you call someone like uh, a bitch or a you know a, a son of a rape victim, and <laughs> we're blaming him, it's mm. like, can you imagine all the pain that 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 kid might have had, and we're tapping into that, like just mm. by thinking these words. We're, we're feeling, we're, like we're releasing this feeling of what that child must have felt like when he heard that, knowing what happened to his mum. And it's like, it's mm. not that we're generating this feeling, we're just choosing to feel that based on the language that we've been programmed to use. Mm. 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 <laughs> 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 there's a resonance of, yeah, there's a, this potent anger. It's like it just yeah. it just feels good to to tap into something to something else and, and feel, to feel human, you know, to to feel you know whether it's good or bad to to share that and you know we, and we, we're trapped we're trapped by the words that our mind manifests so you know we're all trapped to hitting our toe and and swearing because it feels good mm. something like that it's like it's like like you, you mentioned you know sometimes. You know, your first level of language might be to scratch your ear or scratch your head or, or, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like that that reaction. It's like we, we now have reactions where, you know, we, we do slam, you know, slam the door in our hand or something or, uh, you know, or stump our toe or burn ourselves. And it's like we just react in this pre-existing pain mm. that the words are attached to. Mm. Mm. I'm drinking God mode right now. <laughs> But, but it, it sounds better to say, fucking hell. Or, or like, you don't even want to say, ouch. <laughs> oh, that really hurt, Charlie. <laughs> oh, fudge. No, they, I don't know. I saw this study about people, like, they did a study on um, swearing. Like, what happens, how do you deal better with pain or un- being uncomfortable if you swear? So, and they said that, and they did a test about someone that swears a lot to someone that doesn't swear as much. Mm. And people that swear a lot, they, well, that's what the study showed was that it loses its effectiveness if you swear a lot. Because they did a study about like putting your hand in this freezing, really freezing cold water. And you had to just hold it there for see how long you could hold it and you know how much you would swear. And the guy that swore a lot couldn't put in there for as long as someone who didn't swear as much, who was swearing at that time. <laughs> that but. is really sweet because now, now we're talking about being able to choose a reaction in the moment when you're, when you're literally in pain or suffering. So 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna link this to um, coming back to the moment and being able to to live more. You know, to be able to to be able to uh, withstand more pain or experience more of what whatever that is, good or bad, to uh, your experience of now being traveling and just absorbing the the signs in a restaurant or on the side of the road or advertisements as like where in Australia you're kind of numb. Yeah. Like you're kind of numb like the, the guy that can't put his hands in cold water because mm-hmm. he, he just can't deal with it anymore. Um, he Here in Mexico, for example, you were able to – be in a restaurant and be entertained by, you know, the, the sign for the bathroom and go, well, what, do, what does that mean? Or, you know, the, the, the menu, it's like you're really there in the menu going through and deciphering, you know, what you're trying to live. I mean, I don't know, Nikki, you told me, you told me about that. Um, okay, well, for me, I sound like the guy that goes, fuck, 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 if I hit myself or my hands in the water. Um, because I like to just basically express how I feel right there and then, but I'm not going into my meditation stage or my thinking stage. Um, whereas Nick would probably be the person that uh, puts her hands in the water and thinks about what's going on. You know, thinks about it, takes it all in, controls it, and then spits something else out, meaning she leave a hand in there. Like there's an action to the, uh, to the thoughts and reactions or physical activity that probably related a lot. So if you have... A, me- a mental reaction, not just a physical reaction, hmm. it's stronger, which is exactly what Nick is doing. She's taking in Spanish, just le- reading, le- uh, writing, sorry, not writing, reading and uh, verbally speaking as well. So she's getting a lot more out of it. Yeah. And then for me, who just goes, oh, fuck. And that's it. It's you, like, oh, you fuck, order, I can't understand anything. Yeah, you order for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, forget about it. I, I don't know. You know what I like. You order for me. Where, where Nikki's going to decipher and, and live that experience of, of critical thought rather than just reacting. All right. So that was another great episode of The Paradise Paradox. It was great, amazing, fantastic, explosive, in your face, face melting, soul assimilating. You are now a Borg mind. All right. So head on over to Facebook, press like on Facebook, hover over the like button, press the uh, get notifications button so you can get that stuff up in your feed on Facebook. Jump on over to YouTube, press like, press subscribe on YouTube. Jump on over to theparadiseparadox.com, have a look through our old episodes there and uh, leave us a comment so we know what you're thinking, how good you think we are, how stupid we think you are, how ridiculous the show is. Tell tell us that we, we should become mechanics instead uh and you'll notice on the paradiseparadox.com it's got a shop amazon link up the top there and when you click on that it's not going to cost you anything it's not going to send a herd of flying purple monkeys escaping from your computer monitor in an attempt to eat your heart and gain all of your psychic abilities that isn't going to happen what is going to happen just means that we get a little commission so if you like the show support the show if you're going to buy something from Amazon, you may as well do it through our portal there. And that, that just means we get a tiny, eensy-weensy little commission. And, and that's going to help us out a lot. So you can have a look at a couple of the, the books that we recommend there. Jump on over to theparadiseparadox.com slash 55 because that's where you find the show notes for this episode. Theparadiseparadox.com slash 55. And uh, remember to donate too. Give us a little tip. We appreciate it. We're holding out a tip jar right now. You can see me holding this this mimed object, uh, reaching out 
towards you and inside your your computer monitor again uh, and uh, so go go ahead and put a couple of coins there in our jar a couple of bitcoins and it'd be nice maybe maybe 10 or 20 bitcoins uh, that will that will help us survive here that buys like a million weeks worth of vegetables here in Mexico so uh, yeah jump jump on over to donate the the paradise paradox.com and have a good day.